You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Bank fraud, money laundering, and more. Signs and sanctions point to North Korea. Awareness grows of how big some very big breaches were. One weird trick to earning a living from home with ransomware. Extortionists look for embarrassing digital exhaust. Big claims for AI making for big claims in court, too. And hey, NFL, don't fumble your laptops. Say, maybe deflating mobile devices would improve your ability to hold on to them. Any Boston-area cyber companies have thoughts on this? Just kidding. We like to kid. We're kidders. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary and weekend review for Friday, June 3rd, 2016. New evidence surfaced this week of possible North Korean involvement in fraudulent funds transfers over the SWIFT network. Anomaly Labs has joined BAE and Symantec in saying it's found the malware spore of the DPRK-connected Lazarus Group in the affected banks. Coincidentally or not, on Wednesday, the U.S. Treasury Department tightened sanctions on North Korea. Citing the DPRK as a center of money laundering, Treasury moved to restrict the country's ability to transfer funds by limiting the amount of correspondent accounts to process transactions involving North Korea. The illicit transfer that prompted the SWIFT and its partners in the global financial services to review and upgrade their security measures was February's theft of $81 million from the Bangladesh Bank via SWIFT transfers through the New York Federal Reserve. This week, responding to a Reuters Freedom of Information Act request, the Fed's Board of Governors disclosed 51 cybersecurity incidents at its Washington location between 2012 and 2015. The report covered only Washington, not the 12 regional branches, and included several incidents attributable to espionage. This has been a week of big data breaches, not new breaches, but old ones that turned out to be a lot bigger than originally thought or feared. LinkedIn began the trend two weeks ago when it was determined that its 2012 breach was orders of magnitude larger than previously believed. The business-focused social network has since been joined by Tumblr and MySpace, both of whom have also significantly upped estimates of the number of data lost. The stolen credentials are for sale in dark web markets at surprisingly low prices. One familiar name mentioned in connection with the breaches, Dropbox, seems on further review to have sustained no security breach after all. Krebs on Security reports that Lifeline and other identity theft protection companies warned customers that Dropbox had leaked 73 million usernames and passwords. But this appears quite wrong. The lost data seems to have come from the Tumblr breach. 
The low prices cyber criminals put on such stolen information, just $2,800 for nearly half a billion stolen MySpace credentials, suggests that the black market is continuing its race to the bottom. Some criminals are selling zero days or malicious code, and even these don't carry prohibitive price tags. An alleged Windows Zero Day is being auctioned with bids starting at $95,000, and Jigsaw Ransomware is being offered for the fire sale price of $139. Crimeware markets are shifting toward a volume model, looking for sales to the skid mass market. So how much do ransomware crime lords stand to make? We haven't actually seen pop-ups offering us the one weird trick that will let us earn thousands working from home, but the criminal gig economy doesn't appear to be making anyone spectacularly wealthy. Flashpoint has been poking around the Russian criminal underground since December, and it seems to them that a diligent, successful head of a ransomware campaign stands to pull in around $7,500 a month, or around $90,000 a year. That is, if they stay on the good side of the militia long enough to get paid. The FSBs announced on Wednesday that it collared 50 hackers who rifled Russian bank accounts of some 1.7 billion rubles, or $25 million. So what does a ransomware boss have to do? It's like any other multi-level marketing scheme you might run from your home. Get code, recruit distributors, collect ransom, and pay the distributors a commission. Not all online extortion involves ransomware. Criminals are getting into an enterprise's network, finding information that shows they've been there, and then contacting the hacked enterprise with an offer to disclose the vulnerability in exchange for payment. Effectively black hat pen testers, the bug poachers are asking about $30,000 a pop. And there's more traditional blackmail, too. You will recall the Ashley Madison affair, in which the threat was exposure and humiliation. The U.S. FBI has warned that more of this sort of thing is on its way. Attackers look for potentially embarrassing information, then contact the victim with an offer to keep such information private for a fee. The information might be any number of relatively accessible things, like rude emails one would rather not have generally disclosed, or interactions with adult websites. We suggest you remember philosopher Immanuel Kant's categorical imperative, or at least the Washington Post test version of it that's passed into folklore in all of your online communications. Always act in such a way that you'd be happy to have everyone do as you do. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst with the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, there was a recent story about a, a, Cal- a Northern California district judge uh, ruling on Facebook, allowing a class action suit from people in Illinois who don't like the photo tagging feature on Facebook for, with facial recognition. Uh, where's this case going? I'm sure most of your listeners would be interested to find out where the merits of this case are going to go. I think we're all interested in whether a private company can use this facial recognition software and whether uh, plaintiffs have some sort of privacy interest that would prevent it. Unfortunately, I think the way this case is turning out, we're so far from the merits because of all of these legal hurdles uh, that both sides are jumping through. Uh, So just to give a little background here, the dispute in this case is around choice of law issues. So when each of us click the agree to terms of use on our Facebook pages, which we've all done, we agree that if there's ever any dispute between us and Facebook, that dispute will be adjudicated in California courts. And this is what Facebook wants. They have expectations for California courts. They, you know, that's where they're located. All of their lawyers out there are out there. So it's a favorable policy towards Facebook. What this judge decided, he didn't make any indication of the merits of the case. He didn't say anything about the privacy interests involved in facial recognition software. And he even said that that choice of law provision in the contract you sign when you click on that, those terms of use is not technically invalid. He did, however, point to a part of a test on choice of law issues, and that test is whether the choice of law clause in the contract is, quote, contrary to a fundamental policy of Illinois, and if so, whether Illinois has a greater interest in the determination of this case. In other words, are we dealing with an issue that the Illinois state legislature has decided is of such importance to its people that it would not be in the interest of justice or fairness to have the case adjudicated elsewhere? This judge in Northern California decided that Illinois had expressed uh, the fundamental importance of that case and had determined that Illinois actually has a greater interest in determination of the case. So uh, he has moved this case back into the venue of, of Illinois. The reason I think this could be problematic is that it creates a level of uncertainty both for Facebook and for plaintiffs who want to challenge some of the privacy uh, or perceived privacy intrusions of Facebook, we're now in this area of uncertainty as to whether if the state passes a law that governs something in this area, whether it is of such fundamental policy importance uh, that a California court would transfer it back to that original state. And that's just a very, very vague standard that I think will be difficult for California judges to adjudicate going forward. And what is this? I mean, looking forward, to, you have Facebook, which is a, a global company. I mean, could it, could we find ourselves in a situation where local jurisdictions are saying we're not going to allow this thing? We perceive, for example, facial recognition being a, an intrusion of privacy, and so 
could that could that mean that Facebook would have to shut that down globally? I think it's possible. I think the more likely scenario is that Facebook is going to be faced with legal chaos and lawsuits in various states. I mean, if the decision of this Northern California judge is of any guidance, then state legislatures will know that if they express some sort of fundamental policy, then they can get suits adjudicated against Facebook in their state courts. And that's Facebook's worst nightmare. I mean, they do not, especially on questions of, you know, fundamental privacy interests, they do not want to be traveling around the country uh, responding to suits in 50 different states based on the whims of 50 different state legislatures. So I think if the ruling of this judge is upheld, it could be an absolute logistical nightmare for Facebook. And I think if they are interested in avoiding some of these uh, difficult choice of law questions, that might impact their policy on facial recognition. All right, Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. WordPress is under active attack. Hackers are exploiting a zero day in the content management system's mobile detector plugin. There's reason to believe that many large organizations are using older, even more vulnerable versions of both WordPress and Drupal. So review and, if necessary, upgrade your installations. U.S. schools approach their summer vacations, but the Air Force Association will be offering its popular cybersecurity boot camps for students interested in the field. This summer, the AFA says it will hold a record number of camps in 85 locations. One organization looking to the state of the cybersecurity profession is the Military Cyber Professional Association. We spoke with the MCPA's founder, Joseph Billingsley, about his organization and its role in the professional community. Based upon my experience out in the field in all different types of capacities, whether you're talking more on the intel side of the house or on the more IT signal comm side of the house or in strategy policy world, I noticed a real gap, a real need for people to cross-talk more with each other within the space, within the military cyber community in particular. And I really focused on this particular community because it's, uh, it's very, very clear from my own experiences and also from the findings and multiple documents and policy documents as well that this is a national security priority, cyber, cybersecurity, cyber operations. And as anybody could also see from looking at CNN.com or your local newspaper, cyber breaches are a very real thing. Uh, intellectual property that is hemorrhaging out of the United States is a very real thing and uh, impacts our nation in a very serious way. So that's where I decided at the time as a strategist, functionary 59 strategist, to focus my energies on, on this particular community. 
Among the functions of the Military Cyber Professionals Association is providing activities, opportunities, and education for its members on both a local and national level. At the national level, we have certain high-impact uh, nationwide types of events. Uh, most recently, we participated in the Navy League's uh, national uh, exposition at National Harbor. We hold Capture the Flag, Cyber Capture the Flag, CTF events. Uh, so most recently, uh, the JCC, the Joint Cyber Challenge, was a national-level event uh, with teams from across the American defense community, which was great. Then we also have a number of chapter-level events, so also a Cyber Capture the Flag event um, run by our St. Louis chapter um, based on the folks over at the Scott Air Force Base, more regionally based, but participation from all over the place. That was called Hack the Arch. We have a scholarly journal called Military Cyber Affairs with very legitimate uh, processes and editorial staff in, uh, in place with representatives from uh, all these different um, institutions of uh, higher learning across the, uh, the defense community, such as the Naval Postgraduate School, Army War College, Air Force Institute of Technology. Um, we also have a magazine called Cyber, which is, uh, is a more accessible and kind of fresh opportunity for, uh, for folks from across the community to, to publish in and, and to, to be kept up to speed on, on what's going on out there. The organization also encourages participation with K-12 STEM programs. At the local chapter level, the chapter leadership is empowered and encouraged to get out there into their local community, find existing opportunities for our members to volunteer in. Uh, so a great example of that is the Cyber Patriot um, Cyber Defense um, Competition, which is actually run by our partners over at the Air Force Association. Um, and they are a very well-oiled machine that is uh, also, you know, has a military um, aspect to it. And we have partnered with them and encourage our members to, to go uh, plug in and, and easily uh, volunteer their, their technical skills in mostly middle school and, uh, and high schools uh, with that particular program. Uh, more recently, I was approached by the Smithsonian Institution here in the D.C. area about having some of our members partner up uh, with their new innovation center called the Spark Lab and try to bring in some, uh, you know, K-12 community members from, from across the region and, um, and act as a, uh, as, as a mentoring or a coach type of role for, for those kids who are interested in, in the STEM fields, particularly IT or computer sciences. Mentorship is an important part of their educational mission, and for that, military veterans are an essential asset. With a lot of veterans, whether they got out after serving their first tour of duty or if they retired after decades of, uh, of service, of uniformed service, they have a lot of great real-world experience uh, that they can impart on to the next generation. And so another aspect of what we do is purposefully doing matchmaking uh, between mentors and mentees. Our mission is very much uh, focused on developing this particular community within the military because we have a huge need to develop this community. Um, and the, uh, the other aspect of, of that, of our mission with the K through 12 education or outreach activities with the K through 12, um, because that's really how we're going to get our nation right long-term, whether you're talking about security-wise or uh, economic-wise as well. The national priority, really, that we're focusing on right now is that military cyber community. 
Joseph Billingsley is a major in the United States Army, but he spoke to us in his capacity as the founder of the Military Cyber Professionals Association. Finally, sports fans and healthcare professionals will be interested in the continuing story of a stolen laptop. The device was used by a Washington Redskins trainer, was apparently unencrypted, and was stolen from a car last month. It contained medical information on not only current and former players, but on any player who attended the National Football League scouting combine from 2004 to 2016. The CyberWire heard from several experts who weighed in on the breach and its implications. Last Line's CTO and co-founder, Giovanni Vigna, noted that data at rest are notoriously vulnerable when they're unencrypted. The Redskins said in a statement reported by ESPN that no HIPAA-sensitive information was compromised. We confess it's difficult to imagine how they might be sure of this, but note that the team was clearly aware that HIPAA might be a problem. Michael McGrath, current chairman HIMSS Identity Management Task Force and director of healthcare business Vasco Data Security, told the CyberWire that, quote, This is a clear example that healthcare breaches are not isolated to healthcare organizations. They apply to employers, including the National Football League, end quote. He suggested teams might protect their medical information with the same diligence they apply to their playbooks. He also noted that laptop thefts remain depressingly common, yet organizations continue to overlook their encryption. Balabit's Matthew Ravden sees the incident as a violation of trust, whether or not it involved HIPAA violations as well, and would go so far as to suggest not storing any sensitive data on a mobile device. Well, in any case, team, here's our halftime speech for the weekend. When it comes to encryption and multi-factor authentication, don't punt. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.